Hi, everyone, and welcome to Orchards Church Podcast. Uh, my name is Daniel, and I'm one of the pastors at Orchards Church, and today I'm here with my co-pastor, Rick Vogt. Yeah, that's right. I am Rick Vogt, the other pastor at uh, Orchards, and we are excited to come to you uh, this summer with a new podcast series. Yeah, so if you missed uh, last week's Sunday, we kind of talked about uh, how we're doing a bunch of different things this summer. Uh, we're doing Summer of Gifts uh, on our Sunday gatherings, and that's where we're going to have different people from the congregation come up and be interviewed and talk about their lives and how God has gifted them and to serve the kingdom, to serve the church. And so to supplement that, um, we, we wanted to do a recording podcast to kind of uh, supplement the summer with some teaching. Um, so that's what this is. And this is the first episode of our Summer of Wisdom podcast. And uh, we've got a whole kind of uh, roadmap planned out of uh, eight podcasts this summer that we're going to be releasing on days, um, on Sunday mornings when we're doing the Summer of Gifts in person. This will be released digitally uh, online uh, for furthering education. Yeah. And I'm really excited about it. And Rick and I have been in conversation about it for a long time. So shall we dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so this first podcast, what we kind of want to get to is a broad overview of wisdom literature. So Rick, what comes to mind in your head when you hear wisdom literature? Uh, smart sayings, proverbs, mm. and a bumper sticker wisdom. Yeah. 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 And the thing is interesting is wisdom literature as a category of scripture is kind of new. It's kind of a modern category for these books. Um, uh, some of them are in the writings and some of them are, are, in, are in different places in, in um, the Jewish Bible, but what kind of ties them together? And there's actually some arguments you say, are the wisdom books, maybe the Solomonic books? Like, would that be maybe Song of Solomon Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. Is, is that, are those the th three books of wisdom literature? Or would you say it's all the ones that have to do with fearing the Lord and that kind of being the thrust of the wisdom? Well, then you throw Job in there and then you lose Song of Solomon. And so uh, kind of what we're opting for is uh, this summer, we just kind of want to examine the three books of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. Um, I think I would probably also classify Song of Solomon as wisdom literature, but I don't know, Rick, should we just do a different series for that or just not touch it at all? What do you, what do you think we should do? <laughs> yeah, my first response is, hey, let's just leave that alone. Okay, great. <laughs> That's to, be, to consider the reality that wisdom can speak into even uh, the love that is shared between a man and a woman. Actually, that's kind of fascinating. Like, wow, I, I don't think of wisdom when I think of that relationship. Yet, could God have things to say that are so brilliant that it would actually revolutionize that experience? Like, wow. Yeah. And yeah, it's <laughs> very, very true. Actually, uh, a friend of mine did a series on um, a Song of Solomon maybe 12 years ago now. And uh, since then has had it taken down off his website. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's just a warning for us. So yeah, we'll move on without the Song of Solomon. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, what I would like to do today is kind of just, yeah, give a broad overview of wisdom literature. And there's a few key components that kind of 
mark wisdom literature um, and that we kind of actually see throughout uh, the scriptures. Um, and there are these two pathways. There's the path of the wise man and there's the path of the fool. Um, Rick, would you pull up Proverbs 1, uh, 7 for us? Yeah, completely. Um, and Proverbs is is a really is a really good example of this uh, because this is, you know, obviously it's gonna, actually going to be the first book that we're going to dive into. So today we're going to do an introduction that we're going to do two weeks on Proverbs, then two weeks on Ecclesiastes, and then two weeks on Job. But if you would read Proverbs 1-7 for us. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, any reading I do today will be from the NIV. And this is Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Yeah, like right from the beginning of the book, we kind of see this um, duality between the wise man and the fool. And, and we see this duality kind of all over the place. Rick, are there any other places in scripture that come to mind where you kind of see this contrast between a wise man and the fool? Uh, right away, I think of the last thing Jesus said in what is called the Sermon on the Mount, where he ends the book contrasting those two possible responses to his sermon. Oh, man. Right? Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm just going to read that for us because it's so good. This is, uh, you can find this in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And all the verses I read today will be out of the ESV. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it man i just I feel like I feel Rick really humbled when I read when I read passages like this because it it brings to light the power of wisdom literature. Um, not just it's not something from thousands of years ago. It's something that's relevant for today. It's relevant for Jesus' words in our lives today. And actually, my I think probably my favorite Psalm of all is Psalm one, and it kind of has the same two pathways. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's contrasting, uh, you know, it's the person who doesn't like sit, stand or eat like a sinner, but delights in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. Um, yeah. And, and then it just kind of contrasts the fruit of the two where the man who's in, you know, delighting in God's laws, like a tree planted by a, a river, his leaf doesn't wither and all that he does, he prospers, but then the wicked, they're like chaff, which is like leftovers, right? That the wind blows away off the field. It yeah. certainly doesn't leave any middle ground. Uh, it's very, maybe we could say black and white. Mm -hmm. You either do it well or you do it poorly. Yeah. Which is a theme in scriptures. When I think of uh, John writing uh, first, second, and third John, his language gets to that level of simplicity. You either love God or you hate God. He almost seems to say, mm. and he doesn't leave space in the middle, which, yeah. That's a challenge to us. And, and then you think of Jesus' words to Laodicea. I wish you were hot or cold, but because you are neither. And could it be said possibly that God doesn't delight in some middle ground, like either be the fool or be the wise man? Mm, yeah. Good question, maybe. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that's it, is that 
this this dual choice of choosing my way or God's way goes all, <laughs> all the way back to the beginning of human history in, in Genesis, where there's two trees in the garden. There's the tree of life, and there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm, right. And I think what wisdom literature does for me is it brings me back every day to the garden. Hmm. Like, I feel like I'm at the garden again every day making the choice. Am hmm. I choosing God's best, God's way, God's wisdom? Or am I choosing something else? Am I choosing something where I'm going to determine for myself what I think is right and go my own way? Um, yeah. That's such a, a creative dualism because when, <clears throat> when you first say it, I think of the tree of knowledge and then the assumption would be that the other tree would be the tree of naivete uh, mm. or the tree of blind obedience. Mm. But instead you're saying the tree of life, which is intriguing because that's something different. So it makes me wonder, okay, so what's the difference between knowledge and life? And how, mm. how do you equate life and wisdom? And I have a feeling that's where you're going. So keep going. Yeah. Well, actually, I think that's, a, I think that's exactly it. I mean, and we actually mentioned this in our sermon last week about how, uh, you know, according to the book of Proverbs, wisdom is the new tree of life. Um, that's right. I'm really saying that. Yeah. We don't, we don't have the actual tree of life. You and I can't go eat of it. In fact, it's so precious and valuable, right? That it was, there was an angel sent to guard it. And, and here we are thousands of years later and we read Proverbs 3.18 where it says, she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed man so good yeah it just strikes me as like oh okay choosing god's path is actually this is going to be the best thing for me this is the best way for me to to go about life it's like accessing the tree of life in you know modern america 21st century yeah yeah absolutely um so i think the question then is if wisdom is so good, why is it so hard to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> Wait a minute. We're just going to talk about it. We're not going to do it, right? Oh. <laughs> it's a podcast. It's, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's, it strikes me as hard because I find myself at the foot of two trees so often. Mm. Am I going to be selfish or am I going to be loving? Or I look back on a conversation I just had and I think, yeah, I chose my own tree. I didn't choose God's way. I think about, yeah, I don't know. I just, just bringing me back to the garden over and over and over again and realizing how often in my day, how many choices I make in a day and how many of them would I consider to be the wise way or the fool's way. So it seems like you're, you're characterizing wisdom as more than smart and the fool as more than stupid. Like, it's not, it's not like wisdom is life hacks or self-awareness mm. or the right way to do things. And foolishness is the opposite of those things. I, you're saying so much more than that. It feels almost like a jump. So help me get there with you. How, how does, 
wisdom equate to life? And maybe then I guess foolishness equate to death, to destruction, to brokenness? Yeah. I mean, I think that some of the richest people in the world who have made the smartest business decisions possible act like total fools. I mean, their lives are just falling apart. And I think they're experiencing much more pain than say you and I, who perhaps don't have millions of dollars, but have rich relationship with those around us and trust and hope in a future. Um, and uh, the abundant life that Jesus talks about. Um, yeah. Mm. yeah. So you're redefining prosperity. You're redefining success in life. Yeah. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Yeah. yeah. And I think honestly, one of the biggest confusions about God's blessing is that we confuse God's blessing with material wealth or stuff wow. um, rather than God's blessing being his presence in our lives. And yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. And not that life will always go our way. That's not the promise of the scriptures and not the promise of the way of Jesus, but rather that he will be with us when life really badly does not go our way mm. and he will still provide for us. He will be our provider and our King who cares for us and sees us, you know, even if he's, if he's so aware of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, how much more is he going to be aware of you and I and what our needs are? Sure. Yeah. Now you're stirring up all these images from the gospels. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it's almost like it's like all tied together somehow. <laughs> yeah, almost. I mean, coincidentally, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. And actually, we I, I kind of briefly touched on this um, on, on Sunday as well. But I think what's helpful about Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job to me is that they make the wisdom conversation one that's palatable to me. And here's what I mean by that is I don't want to read Proverbs by itself. Because some proverbs to me are helpful, but then I go, but it doesn't always work that way. Mm. Right? Like, yes, generally, if you act this way or you do this, then this happens. But then it doesn't, it's not like that the, the kind of like American dream inside me gets excited because I'm like, oh, yeah, if you just follow these 10 steps to success, then you'll have exactly what you want. Um but then life throws so many curveballs at you. And then similarly, I would not want to read Ecclesiastes. Like if we, <laughs> if you had to pick just one of these three books, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and, and Job, and you could only have one. I mean, I think <laughs> any one of them on their own would be so problematic for me. Oh, for <laughs> just, sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's the fact that we have all three of them, that they bring balance to each other. Mm. has been really, really helpful. Yeah. Kind of a tripod uh right yeah and at the top of the tripod where they're united you know that you have yeah you have the truth yeah yeah so rick what would you say uh for you if you had to categorize um proverbs for me how would you how would you like summarize proverbs as a book summarize proverbs as a book I receive the book as someone who has lived a full life and has been very uh, curious and observant. And now they're coming and writing down almost like a grandfather or a grandmother's journal of everything I learned by living life. Mm 
And as I observed, here's the way things seem to work. Mm. Mm. No, that's awesome. What about, I, I like how you're personifying the author, right? You're saying this is, yeah. this is, and we, we know that Proverbs obviously doesn't only, I mean, it, yeah, it certainly doesn't have one author. It's got a, a place. And I think Proverbs 25 is where it talks about Hezekiah, who was much later than Solomon. Um, and so we know that Proverbs in the way it exists today was not just written by Solomon. I think he, my take is, I think he probably wrote most of it, but I think there are some editors that have made some choices with it, which is totally fine and still very much the inerrant word of God. But I like how you're personifying the book as a person. So maybe let's just run with that. How would you then personify uh, Ecclesiastes? Yeah, I, I would say maybe Ecclesiastes is like, like my sweet grandfather's brother whose life didn't go quite as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and whether whether he made the same wise choices or not didn't actually necessarily matter. And mm. so he's got this kind of skeptical side to him that's like, yeah, what my brother says kind of, but I don't know, not not really actually mm. in the end. Mm. Uh yeah, he's he's not I don't I don't sense bitterness, but I sense a really wise critique of this idea that everything works out in the end and that if you do a b happens and then like he seems to say nope it's actually not that way mm. okay and then how would you summarize then job oh wow yeah you know i'm in the middle of job right now <laughs> it's almost like you didn't know that question was coming rick <laughs> you're I like know, oh I wow <laughs> I say that Daniel, because I'm not even sure, like I'm, I'm siding with Job right now, you know, and not with God, which is super bad place to be. Like you ought to be on God's side because you know, that's the side you want to be on. But I'm like, yeah, this really stinks. You know? And, and so I don't know what I would do with that, but I guess what, I guess if I had to come to a conclusion, cause somebody was saying, I need to know now it would be um, that the hope ultimately is not in how life works, but in who God is. Mm. Yeah, because it's just not going to work out sometimes when you do A and then B is supposed to happen. And it's actually going to be quite contrary. And so in the end, you kind of have to entrust yourself not to living a wise life, but to a God who knows more than I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that's it. I the all three books. Um, kind of their, their kind of like walk away is, is fear the Lord and walk in wisdom. Like that's, that, that's the big takeaway of the book of Proverbs, I think is, um, you know, kind of like what you read in, in, in Proverbs one, would you, would you read that one more time actually? Yeah, sure. I have an idea. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Mm. Yeah. And I think, uh, uh, so that's kind of the refrain of Proverbs is fear the Lord, walk in wisdom, receive instruction, do well. And then we get to the end of Ecclesiastes. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll get into this when there's Ecclesiastes, but there's actually two characters in Ecclesiastes there's the teacher or the preacher or, you know, whatever we want to call this character. And then there's the author of the book. Um, and they actually each kind of have their own, their own conclusions. 
but I right now I just want to focus on the author's conclusion. Um, he says this in verse 13 of chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And it's just, it's just so fascinating to me that um, you see kind of at the end of this, at the end of Proverbs, it's fear the Lord. Or actually, that's just the refrain of Proverbs. It's the whole thing. And then you have Ecclesiastes going, yeah, 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 yeah. But, or kind of like, what about this? What about this? And then at the end of Ecclesiastes, the author just picks up the same refrain and mm -hmm. says, fear God and keep his commandments. And and <laughs> this is the whole duty of man. And then um, if we go to the book of Job, um, obviously God shows up and says, okay, take it, take it like a man, stand up. Don't be, you know, don't be a little boy, stand up and receive this. And, and then just lays into him and says, this is who I am. Who are you? Who do you think you are? Uh, and then, uh, you know, then obviously uh, uh, Job responds um, and he, he says this, this is Job's response um, in the final chapter of Job, Job 42. Job answered the Lord and said, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I've uttered what I did not understand. Things are too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Here and I will speak. I'll question you and you will make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Um, mm. Man, and, and that, what's crazy to me about this is Job here is, is repenting uh, of of saying, I actually think I know better than you. Right. I think that I'm, I'm the answer. And again, now we see Job back in the garden with Adam, with Eve, with the wise man, with the fool, with Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, kind of making this choice. Am I going to choose my way, my determination, or am I going to fear God, walk in wisdom and instruction? Cause that's the duty of, of my life. I take this in one way of hearing God say, let me give you a wonderful gift, but do not ultimately trust in that gift. Like he's, he's freeing his students from idolatry, from worshiping the wisdom he's about to share. Yeah. So he shares the wisdom and he says, this will get you far. But then Ecclesiastes says, yes, but it won't get you all the way. And in some cases, it won't work out at all. And then in Job, Job has attempted because he's lived a very wise life and made all the right choices. And he's confirmed in that. And yet in the end, realizes he still needs to look to and reach beyond wisdom to trust God himself mm. and to fear the Lord. And that's where, like the, what should I say, the destination of the journey of maturation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, even 
Job even mentions the fear of the Lord um, in chapter 28. Uh, actually, Rick, would you read Job 28, um, verse 28 for us? Um, because it's interesting seeing Job in the middle of the book. Um, oh, wait, hold on. I don't know if this is Job talking. Let me look at it real quick. Yeah, it is Job. Okay. Um, and uh, he, he's kind of talking about where is wisdom? Where Where is this stuff? Where can wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding, etc.? cetera? Um, and then he gets to the end of the chapter uh, in verse 28. He says this. And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. And what I like about this is that Job is in the middle of this crisis. God doesn't show up for you know, a bunch more chapters. And here Job is admitting to already have this knowledge about what is wisdom and he's not yet living it out. Mm. And I find myself there all the time where sometimes I'm standing before the tree. Actually, most times I'm standing before the two trees and I know which one I should pick. I already have the answer. And yet sometimes like Job here, I choose the wrong tree and I go the wrong direction, which is the way of the fool and the way of the wise man. Yeah. yeah so much the story of um, the nation of Israel, right? Mm. Uh, again, they always, they always had the option of choosing to follow God and do things his way or the other choices of doing it their own way or the ways of the nations around them. And in the end, they relentlessly chose not the God way and mm. it led to the destruction and the exile of the entire nation. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think that's just kind of a, this is our summary to wet your whistle uh, about what is wisdom literature and how we are going to approach it. And I'm really excited for the coming months to go over, um, uh, to go over Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job together. Um, and then actually we've got a really surprise ending one. We're actually going to do wisdom in Jesus uh, to kind of end. So I think Jesus is pretty wise. Um, but before we go today, uh, this is this is my big takeaway for everybody, okay? This is, this is what I think that you should walk away thinking about this week. If you're going to take away one thing, take away this. Uh, and it's a Dwight Schrute quote. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Rick does not know Count this is coming. Wisdom. <laughs> Thank you to the office. <laughs> okay. Uh, he, he says, uh, he says this, whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, then I would not do that thing. <laughs> wow. Dwight, way to come into wisdom literature. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think actually it's even preempted by uh, him being like, Michael changed my life. He said, Dwight, an idiot would do that. Don't do that. So now I think to myself, you know, so, <laughs> so whatever about to do something, they think would an idiot do that? And if they would, then I would not do that thing. <laughs> but Excellent. It's, it's, what a, <laughs> what a holy place to land. I, I figured, I figured it couldn't get more holy than that. So yeah. awesome. Okay. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. And we will uh, catch you next week.